All right, take your Bibles, please, as we turn to God's Word, the place where we find out about this hope that we can have that we share uh, in God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, we're going to look uh, one more time, um, as we started two weeks ago, looking at the justice of God, that God is just. That's why we can have this hope. That's why we can have certainty of, of, of our eternal uh, situation. We can have certainty of our forgiveness and sins, not because we're so good, not because we've figured things out, not because we've, we've been able to, to make ourselves better, but because God is just and he has said that all who believe in his son are going to be forgiven of their sins. Again, why we keep the cross um, in front of our sanctuary to remind us that Jesus Christ took upon himself all the sins of mankind so that those who believe in him can have their sins forgiven and not have to suffer the consequences of our sins because of God's justice. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is, is expressing these things and explaining these things because of the difficulties that the Thessalonians were going through. They were suffering grave persecution for their faith in Christ. They were, they were living in a time in, in Thessalonica where those who worshipped the true God were considered to be atheists. And so because of their lack of trust in the emperor or the local gods, they would be blamed for every bad thing that happened in town or in their area. As a result, the Apostle Paul wanted to remind them that they were going to be okay. Even though they were going through difficult times, because of of God being just, he was going to forgive them of their sins, and he was going to give them relief, and he was going to give them eternal life. Then he also said there's another part to God's justice, which we started looking at last week. If you look with me uh, at verse, um, start with verse 6. God is just. This is 2 Thessalonians 1.6. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. So there are two things that are going to happen because of the justice of God. Those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, or as he, as he puts it here in 2 Thessalonians 1, those who obey the gospel. And remember what the gospel is. That God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world to live a perfect life so that when he went to the cross to die, he wasn't dying for his own sins. He was dying for for the sins of others. He was dying for the sins of those he created. 
so that when he rose again from the dead, that he would give forgiveness to all who believe. And so to believe in Jesus, to believe in this plan of God, is to obey the gospel. And praise God for the promises that are associated with believing, with obeying that gospel. The promise of eternal light, as we've talked about. The promise of forgiveness of sins. The promise of peace. The promise of joy. The promise of of rich fellowship with one another as we walk through uh, the difficulties of life. As the the Thessalonians were an example. Going through really tough times, but God was sustaining them. God was giving them grace and mercy to get them through. But then he also said, on the other hand, there are people who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they are going to suffer, again, because of God's justice, they're going to suffer judgment. The same judgment that the Lord Jesus received when he died on the cross, they are going to take upon themselves. They're going to receive that, that wage. Romans 8, 20, uh, Romans 8 or 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The wages of sin is death. That's what Jesus was doing on the cross. He was being paid our wages. He was was receiving, as he died on the cross, what we deserved for our sins. Because God is just. Sin must pay its wage. And Jesus received our wage that day when he died on the cross. But those who reject him, those who will not obey his gospel, then they are going to receive in themselves the judgment of God. Look with me to Romans chapter 1. It's a very important um, passage which describes um, the universality of this statement. This isn't uh, this isn't just uh, for Americans. This isn't just for um, Jewish people. This is concerning everybody who's ever been created, who's ever lived. Romans chapter 1. Very, very important passage in relation to the justice of God. Verse 18 says this. Romans 1.18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of those who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. 
Therefore, I'm going to continue on to verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual immorality for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. That's what's going on. And that's why, as God is just, that's why those who continue in their rebellion, who do not turn, first because of the knowledge that God has given them through his creation, and then secondly, through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, as they continue in their wickedness. And remember, nobody is neutral. Remember that. We like to think that there's a class of people who are just kind of like, they're not that bad. And then we, and we classify our sins, you know. And you notice some of the sins that I, that were read, that I read here from, from the Apostle Paul, some of those we thought, yeah, now that's really bad. And then some of them we thought, eh, I mean, gossip? You kidding? That's in the same list as murder? Disobeying parents? Wake up, kids. It's in the same category as rebellion? Yeah. All of these things. You see, that's what, that's what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 3. When he said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody. And that's why Paul says here in Romans 1 that no one is going to have an excuse when they stand before God. He will say to them, look what I made. You could, you could have seen how powerful I am in, in my eternal nature if you would have just looked at what I made and, and considered that and then given me thanks and praise for doing that. In fact, there, there are some people who do that. We don't know how many. It's not very many, we don't think. But we know of one of them, for example, this centurion in Acts chapter 10, a guy named Cornelius. Look with me uh, to Acts 10 for, for, for this example. This is a great picture of God's grace uh, in his justice. 
In Acts chapter 10, we see a, uh, an example of somebody who looked at God's creation like we're supposed to and saw God in it. Not that God is his creation. No, he isn't those things. But he made everything, and we see him in those things and the things that he made. Rome, uh, Acts chapter 10 speaks of Cornelius. This is a, this is a great story and a, and a great uh, message of hope. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. That, that was his response to noticing, what God, to noticing God in what he had made. He was a devout man and prayed regularly and gave to those in need. He got all of that from, from, from looking at what God had made. Then it goes on. One day, about three in the afternoon, this is verse three, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a remembrance before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and one of his soldiers, who was a devout man. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Now, I encourage you to read the rest of that story even later today or this week. But it's an amazing story. At the same time God was giving Cornelius this vision to send for Peter, he was giving Peter a vision that the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, was not just for the Jews, but it was also for the Gentiles. It was for people all over the world. And so it's an amazing thing and something we should be very excited about this morning, most of us here being Gentiles, to be thankful that, that God used this experience, this, this particular time in history, to, to help people see that the gospel, the good news of, of Christ, is open to everybody who will believe. But in Cornelius' case, this is a special visitation from God, this vision, to give him the opportunity as a God-fearer, as one who has is, who is done with creation what he should have done with it, he is giving him the opportunity to obey the gospel so that he also can be saved. Because just by being devout, just by praying regularly, just by giving to the poor, just by being a good guy in response to what he knew from creation, that wasn't going to be enough because he still hadn't obeyed the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But God revealed himself to him in this vision so that he could have that opportunity. Certainly it was a bigger deal than, than just Cornelius because here God was going to use this passage in his, in his word to remind people all the time that God is not a respecter of, of different countries, of different nationalities, of different races, of different languages, of different, perp- of different people groups. He loves everybody, and everybody has the opportunity to respond to the gospel. In this particular case, God gave, us, gave this special opportunity for Cornelius to hear the gospel from Peter. 
because Peter did obey. It was tough on him, and you'll, you'll read that as you continue reading um, Acts 10. He did obey the vision, the instruction of God through the vision. It was hard on him, because in the vision, he, God told him to eat foods that Jews weren't allowed to eat, and that was really, really tough on him. So I've never done this before. I can't do that. And Jesus said, eat it. Eat it. I've got some important work for you to do. And then he had to do the unthinkable. He had to go visit a Gentile in his house. And he did it. And there Cornelius had gathered all the friends that he could, you know, all that he could put together. And they had a crowd there. And Peter shared the gospel of Christ with those Gentiles that day. Opening up the way for Gentiles all over the world to hear the gospel. God does that from time to time. We don't know if he does it for every single God-fearer like that. He may. I remember a story. Uh, you saw a picture of my brother Brent this, uh, this morning as Mark was um, reading the letters uh, from the missionaries. But when we first started Midway, um, my brother and his, and his wife Linda were serving with an organization called Mission Aviation Fellowship as he was a jungle pilot. And he was a jungle pilot without a jungle. Um, he was serving in the country of Lesotho, which was a, a, a very desolate kind of place with lots of mountains but hardly any trees. But, but it was very difficult to get to these, these various villages. And one day, and this was back in the 80s, even before um, Midway started, um, one day during a, a terrible drought in Lesotho, um, people were dying of starvation, and, and, and the, the country is so mountainous and so underdeveloped that you can't get to many of the villages um, with, with vehicles. You have to do it with ponies and, and horses and all this kind of thing, and it was just very difficult to get supplies. And so MAF, Mission Aviation Fellowship, was doing relief drops. They were, they were flying over these villages and dropping food and seeds, drought-resistant seeds and things like that, down uh, to the villages. And in this one particular village, they, they missed the drop. It, the, the, their stuff landed out in this field. And this God-fearing woman, and when I say that, I use that in the same respect that it was used of, of Cornelius. She was a person who understood from creation that there, that there is a God and he deserves to be worshipped and thanked and served. And she went out there to, uh, to help um, get the stuff in. And there was a gospel track in, 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 included in the package of, of seeds and food and these kind of things. And she couldn't read. There was only one person in their village who could read. That was the chief of the village. She took the track to the chief of the village and asked him to read it to her. He read her the track, and she, being a God-fearer, she received Christ at that moment. From a non-Christian, non-God-fearing man reading the track to her. That shows you where her heart was. That shows you that she... She was one of the exceptions to the rule that Paul was describing in Romans 1. Because there are exceptions to that rule. Just, just as there were exceptions in Jesus' day. When, when John writes in, in John chapter 1, when he says that he came unto his own, speaking of Jesus, but his own did not receive him. That was the general rule. His own did not receive him. But, verse 12 says, to those who did receive him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so the same thing happens when people are aware of God because of his creation. He makes a way. Certainly he sends missionaries. We know that. He's been doing that since the, you know, since the, the early days of the gospel. He sends missionaries, but he also alerts people in special ways like he did Cornelius. 
And I, I encourage you, I mentioned last week, I, I think I'm, I remember to mention, there's an author named Don Richardson, recently passed away, uh, a missionary to, to a number of, of uh, tribes in, in uh, Papua New Guinea. But he shares of, of other stories like this, of how God prepared the hearts of God-fearing people. People who recognize, as, as Solomon said in, in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that we read this morning, that eternity is in the hearts of man. God made us with a capacity to believe. But most of us took that understanding that God gave us and rejected that and, and worshipped created things rather than the creator. But those who turn to Christ are forgiven of those things and those who seek God through his creation will be rewarded, I believe, according to these, uh, this example of Cornelius and others that we hear about throughout the history of the church, that God arranges for those who are seeking after him to hear the gospel. Sometimes through dreams and visions, um, sometimes through special drops from, uh, from airplanes that they don't, they don't even understand the technology of or anything like that. And by the way, that woman who received Christ, she took the two-week pony ride to the, to the city. There's one city in, this, in the country of Lesotho. She took the two-week pony ride with that gospel track that had the address of Mission Aviation Fellowship. And she went to town, like I said, couldn't read, showed people the address, and they'd guide her until she finally got to where she, was, where she wanted to go. And the, and the, the Christians at MAF and, and their families discipled that woman. She went back, the two-week pony ride back uh, to her village, led the chief to Christ and, and many others. And my brother had the opportunity, although he wasn't involved in that initial um, um, experience with her, my brother had the opportunity to fly into that village because the, that village and their neighboring village, which used the same um, dialect and same customs and culture, they had a church together. And they made a runway so the MAF could fly in there, bring teachers, missionaries, doctors, you know, agriculturists, others to come in and help them in their village. But now there's a thriving church in, among those two villages where that special packet of food, seeds, and the gospel were, were dropped. God does amazing things. He's just. The gospel is justice. God pouring out his wrath on his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is justice. We who believe and are forgiven will be with him for eternity because God is just. He keeps his word. He always does. There is no doubt that those of us who believe will spend eternity with him, not because we went to church, not because we told others, not because we sang songs, not because we preached sermons, not because we prayed prayers, not because we went to class and memorized and, and said prayers, not because of the good things that we've done. We know that we will be in heaven with him because he is just. He keeps his word. He always keeps his word. And his promises are true. And so we have great assurance, as the Thessalonians did. Again, that's why Paul was writing this to them, to encourage them, to remind them, even though times can be tough, and there are tough times, 
For some of us, we're going through them right now. For others, we've gone through them before. For others, we'll go through them later. The Thessalonians were going through tough times, and Paul was telling them not to lose heart because God is just. You can count on him. You can count on him. He is going to do what he said. And if he says he will forgive everybody, regardless of what their sins have been, regardless of how awful they've been, and we've been pretty awful, regardless of the depths of our transgressions against him, he says that he will forgive every single person who calls on his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the hope of the Thessalonians. That is our hope. That's it. Period. We sang that this morning. Our hope is only Jesus. But by saying that, that doesn't take away from the strength of our hope. Because Jesus is worthy. Jesus is able to accomplish for us everything that we could not accomplish. He did it all. We offer nothing to add to it. That doesn't mean that we don't offer. It doesn't mean that we don't serve him. It doesn't mean that that we don't um, get concerned about our our own sinful situation. Because some of you noticed, as I was reading that list of sins in Romans 1, the list of sins that are that are a picture of the wickedness of mankind and the reason that mankind is going to be judged. Some of you notice in there, yikes, some of that stuff's still going on in my life, if not in action, in thought. And so as a response to the gospel, as a response to Jesus promising to forgive us and to save us, we repent, we turn away from those things continually. We confess our sins to him. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We believe that. And so as believers, when we sin, we confess our sins to him. Trusting in his forgiveness, trusting in the way that he will restore our fellowship with him so that we can continue to serve him, we can continue to live our lives for his glory because that's what life is about. And so, as we think about the justice of God, and we glory in that because we know that because of his justice, we will be saved through our faith in Christ. We also recognize the seriousness of the situation for those who don't believe. And while God is making, you know, doing some special things for, for certain people as, 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 as he did for Cornelius, for the most part, it's, the, it's the, the people who take the gospel, who recognizes the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that we now have the ministry of reconciliation. He has given us, believers in Jesus, this ministry to help people become the friends of God, to help them be, be forgiven of their sins, to help them understand the gospel so that they can understand how sinful they are and how they, how they deserve to die, but that Jesus did that for them. And as a gift of his grace, they also can receive the same salvation that we've received. That's what the Apostle Paul spent his life doing. That's the reason he went to Thessalonica in the first place. 
because he knew that the, the people there were living in rebellion against God and that they needed to hear the gospel. They needed to find out how they also could be forgiven. And many of them, not most of them, but many of them put their trust in Christ. And we have this message this morning because they were triumphantly walking through the difficulties of life because of what God had done for them in Christ. We have their encouragement, the encouragement of God's word because of their obedience to the gospel, because of their obedience to growing in Christ, to growing in their faith, even through the difficulties um, that life brings. And so can we do the same? Can we be like that? Can we recognize, yeah, we're going through tough times, but that's not going to stop us from growing. That's not going to stop us from loving. That's not going to stop us from sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with those who don't know him. Because God is just. And he's going to judge those who continue to reject him, those who die in their rebellion against him. He's going to judge them with an everlasting, eternal judgment, even as he gives eternal life to those who believe. And so with this good news in mind, we glory in it, we celebrate it, but we also share it. Praise God that he had worked out all the means and and, and all the circumstances, and and it was a lot to get a group of Christians to go to Lesotho to put together a flying program to to try to reach those hard-to-reach areas. Praise God that through all that, the right track got dropped in the right place at the right time to the right person who not only received Christ herself, but also saw the hopelessness of of her friends and family, of her village and neighboring villages. I said, I got to tell them too. And she did. We can do the same thing. As the Thessalonians did it, we can do it as well. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for inspiring the Apostle Paul to write of your justice. It's a hard message for us because your justice demands judgment. It's hard for us to look at the cross and to realize that Jesus died on that cross in such a painful way because we sinned. It's a sobering reality, and and we want to thank you, Lord. We want to thank you that you demonstrated your love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But our hearts also hurt for family and friends and, and other acquaintances and coworkers who are still living in rebellion against you, who are still refusing to acknowledge you and your plan and your son, the Lord Jesus. And so we pray for them today. We pray that you would work in their hearts, that you would open their eyes. You would help them see their need, their desperate need 
for a Savior and that Jesus Christ is that Savior, that he took care of everything, that they don't have to add one bit to what he's done. Help them to see that as good news. Help them to see that as your love for them. So, Father, we thank you that you are the just God that your word describes. And we thank you that as a result, we can have full confidence in our salvation, not because we've been so good, but because we trust in Jesus. We believe that he is so good and that he has done all of these things for us so that we can be forgiven, so that we can have the gift of eternal life, and so that we can have this ministry of reconciliation to also share this good news with those in our lives. We pray for those who are working hard today to get that good news to those who haven't heard. We pray that you'd continue to give them strength and provision to accomplish the tasks to which you've called them. And we thank you for the part that we can play in our own spheres of influence among those that you've called us to. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.